Hi, I'm Mark Chavez. I'm one of the hosts of Let's Make a, a comedy docuseries podcast about the creative process. Each season, my co-hosts, Ryan Beal, Maddie Kelly, and I, take on an artistic challenge and you follow our journey. In Let's Make a Sci-Fi, we wrote a science fiction TV pilot. In Let's Make a Rom-Com, we wrote a romantic comedy film. And on our latest season, Let's Make a Horror, we produced a horror short film. And when we run into trouble, we interview Hollywood experts. People who have worked on big things like The Blair Witch Project, The Office, Star Wars, Mamma Mia, and more. All three seasons of Let's Make a are available now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello and welcome to Laugh Out Loud. I'm your host, Ali Hassan. And I wanted to start today with a thanks to the comedians and fans of comedy who really brought it this past week in Winnipeg for our live recording there. Thank you for a great time. And no rest for the wicked, we're already preparing for our next live recording. It'll be at the 2024 Icebreakers Comedy Festival in Niagara-on-the-Lake on Saturday, January 27th. I know it's early to talk about January, but it is around the corner. And today I'll bring you some comedy from a previous Icebreakers comedy gala. We start the show with John Paul, who starts his set with some inside jokes. So let me just bring you in. I was dressed in a maroon, crimson, matching top and bottom tracksuit for some reason. So that's what his first remark is about. And then someone in the front row was really embodying Michael J. Fox's character from Family Ties. So there you go, all caught up. I'm taking you as close to the you had to be there as I can. Here is John Paul. Keep it going for DJ Khaled, everybody. Alex P. Keaton in the house. All right. Who's that? To all the people listening on the radio, you had to be here. Happy to be back in N-Word on the lake, everybody. <laughs> Come on, man, don't act like some dyslexics haven't messed that up before. <laughs> I like to pretend this place is the ghetto, I do. You know what's funny? The last time I was here performing, uh, the world shut down. That was the last time I was here. That's when everything happened, which is crazy. And uh, that was, uh, what, two years and change ago? And the funny thing is, I haven't learned much about anything in those two years. Here's the only thing I could, like, confidently pass on to you guys as advice. Uh, practice safe sex. That's all, I could, that's all I could pass on to you guys. And by that, I mean do it with the lights on. That's what I mean. Because in the dark... Hand sanitizer and lube feels exactly the same. <laughs> right? Right? Until it doesn't feel the same. It burns. All I know is uh, my good guy can't get the COVID variant. That's all I know. <laughs> It's good to go. <laughs> it's been interesting though, man. I'm still married, still married to the same lady. I uh, still got my two kids, which is pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. 
It's really been interesting, that, this, this whole process, especially with kids, man, because uh, I got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, man. I got a 13-year-old son. I'm a father of a teenage boy, a little black boy who's 13. And uh, anthropologically speaking, uh, boys really are different than girls, really. <laughs> Because there are literally times I look at my son in the corner and I'm like, Negro, you ain't gonna make it. <laughs> you are not the brightest dude in the entire world, man. <laughs> I hope women find you attractive. <laughs> I can't help you beyond this. this is, uh... <laughs> my daughter is 11. My daughter's 11 going on menopause. <laughs> she is super mature, bro. Woof. She hits me with these questions. And I didn't think she would learn. You know where she learned most of her stuff from? She learned her most of her stuff from TikTok. Yeah, you guys grown, man. Because I'm like you. I thought TikTok was the exact same. I thought TikTok was just this stupid stuff where you learn to do these stupid dances and like this crap, right? But she's learned so much, man. She's learned current events, she's learned politics, she's learned racial issues. Like so much to the point that one day she happened to walk into the TV room, I'm trying to watch TV, and she walks into the room, she's like, Daddy, and this is like after the whole Black Lives Matter protest that was going on and stuff like that, right? And she's like, Daddy, I know, I know there's like white privilege, but is there, is there such thing as black privilege? And I had no idea how to answer that question, right? Because I had never thought about that before. I'm like, is there a black privilege? And then one day I happened to be walking down the street with one of my Jamaican brethren. His name was Junior, right? <laughs> so me and Junior are walking down the street and Junior's like, hey, JP, I got to return this. Uh, do you mind if we stop off real quick at this store so I can get my money back? I'm like, no problem, let's do this, right? So we walk into the store and as we open the door, behind the counter is this white dude. That's just context for the story, right? So he gets up to the counter and he's like, hey, uh, I paid $200 for this. I'd like to return this. Can I get my money back? And the guy behind the counter is like, whoa, 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 take it easy, take it easy. He's <laughs> like, do you, do you have a receipt for this? And he's like, no, I don't have a receipt, but I paid $200 for this. Can I get my money back? And he's like, okay, let me just consult with my manager. And then he goes over to the corner and we could see him talking to his manager and they're whispering like, no receipt. And after about two minutes, that weird kind of perma-smile comes across his face, right? And he just like walks over, like, you know, it's all weird. And then he's like, no problem, sir. We can return this, no problem, all right? And he, ting And he opens up the cash register and he counts out one, two, three, counts out $200, right? And he's like, you have a great day. Thanks for your business, sir. Have a great day. And as he, we were walking out, that's when I knew what black privilege was. <laughs> Because right as we were about to leave, I overhear him turn to his manager and go, we don't even sell this here. <laughs> but you can't, have, you can't have black privilege without white guilt. You guys are real good at that, man. White people, you guys are great at the white guilt. And you know how I know white guilt exists? Because after the whole George Floyd incident, I had never had that many white friends call me on the phone before, man. My white friends called me more than Indian duck cleaners at dinner time. It was crazy. <laughs> ah, yeah, JP, yeah. If, uh... I love it. My wife, my wife's, uh, she's Trinidadian. I'm Trinidadian as well, but I, uh, yeah, yeah, Trini? 
from Wapata Trinidad, you. <laughs> I asked Wapata Trinidad, she's like, Toronto? <laughs> More specifically, Scarborough? <laughs> See, I was, I was born in Trinidad, but I grew up in Toronto like you. I understand exactly what you mean. I, I, I'm basically, I don't, that's why I sound like this. I don't have the accent. I'm a Trinidadian raised in captivity. That is what I am. <laughs> I've been known to eat a roti with a knife and fork sometimes, <laughs> which is actually punishable by death in certain parts of my homeland. Mostly tuna puna. <laughs> my wife has the accent. I love her accent, man. She were here, she's like, oh my goodness, look at all these people out here listening to comedy, this is so nice. Nobody's wearing a mask because they don't care about their health, they don't care. That COVID is still a thing and they could die, I love it, this is so nice. I wish I could have that kind of privilege, it's so nice. She gave me two beautiful kids. I can't be mad at her, man. I, I really can't be mad at her. She's, she's, she's beautiful. You know what makes me laugh about my kids, though? It's because my kids are Canadian-Canadian. Like, they hear my wife talk, and they try to imitate her accent. And it's cute, but at the same time, it sounds slightly racist, right? Because <laughs> my kids would be like, oh, gosh, na man. And it's like, wow, hey, you're culturally appropriating there, son. You need to lay off a of mom a little bit there. Relax. <laughs> I love it though, man. Here's a little thing I'm gonna share with you guys, man. As, 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 a, as a dad, as a, as a proud parent, uh, what I love about being a parent is, uh, is those moments, you know? And especially over the last two years, it's, you, you, you worry about what your relationship is gonna be, right? Because a ton of people broke up. A ton of people had relationships just end, which just meant that you weren't supposed to be together. And it's okay, you don't have to be mad about that. Like people who got, if there's anybody here that got divorced over the pandemic, don't feel any kind of stigma attached to that. Be proud that you pulled the trigger and you made that choice to be happy. You know what I mean? You don't have to stay with anybody out of obligation. That is, that's, the whole, that's the thing, and just make yourself happy. Because if you can't make yourself happy, no one else can be happy, man. And I think if we changed how people approach divorce, It'd be a different place. It'd be a different world, man. Like, if we approached, like, divorce the same way we approached, you know, being married, it'd, it'd be cool, right? Like, if they had, like, you know, divorce ceremonies the same way they have wedding ceremonies, <sighs> that's a million-dollar industry we're sitting on right there. Because are you guys telling me that if you got an invitation to a divorce ceremony that you wouldn't go? Is that what you're telling me? Are you kidding me? If you went to your mailbox, you'd be like, oh wow, Tim and Brenda are getting divorced and we're invited. <laughs> I totally go to that, are you kidding me? Because you know what would be awesome about that, what's different than a wedding is uh, one, uh, there's no dress code. You're gonna know everybody because the only people who should be invited to a divorce ceremony are the people who were invited to the wedding in the first place. Third, you don't even have to give them a gift. They give you back what you gave them at the wedding, right? <laughs> I'd specifically go just for the divorce ceremony. That's what I would go for. Like the divorce reception, that would be the coolest thing. Because those would be the most honest speeches in the entire world. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying, bro? Because that's why I hate wedding receptions. That's why you gotta get drunk at wedding receptions because it's all a fairy tale, man. People are just lying and lying. It's like, when I looked into your eyes, I saw my universe. 
You complete me as a human being. I love you. Nobody talks like that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I gotta say this, I'm glad that the pandemic is over, or kind of over, right? Because, uh, not that I'm glad that the pandemic is over, I'm glad that we're being let back out into public. Because I had to watch TV shows that I'm not proud of watching. Like one of the shows my wife forced me to watch that I'm not happy about and I'm very embarrassed about is a show called My 600 Pound Life. <laughs> Anybody else by applause get hooked on that? All right. And here's the thing, it had nothing to do with people's personal journey of weight loss. You know what I mean? It had nothing to do with that. It was, I was obsessed with the dude that they went to see to help them lose the weight. There's this doctor by the name of Dr. Now. And I'm convinced that he's a robot. Because his voice sounds just like this, and you go to see Dr. Now. And he has zero empathy when he talks to you. I ask you to lose 320 pounds in 48 hours, and you do not follow my instructions. So how can I then give you to enter my program if you're not going to listen to what it is that I say? This guy can't be married. <laughs> Clearly you do not love me if you are not going to perform the things that I ask you to perform. <laughs> My son started reading. Uh, he could read before. I don't want you to think that he... <laughs> I don't want you to think he had development issues. <laughs> it's just that he's so used to having headphones on and an Oculus and playing Fortnite and all these Minecraft and all these crazy games, but now he started reading again, and he started reading the Harry Potter series that he has in his book, which I was very happy about, you know, right? Because it's, it's a great series, great books, great movies, and uh, I don't know why I'm doing my hands like that. All of a sudden, I feel like Donald Trump. Basically, great book, great series. Totally great, awesome, awesome books. But he started reading the books, but here's the cool part that he might not realize, but that had a, it was a heartfelt moment for me is that there was a bond. Cause he was like, hey dad, I read uh, this, this book. Can we watch the movie after we read the book? So I could compare the movie to the book, which my dad never did with me. My dad's an immigrant dad. He just wanted to work and you know, make, provide a better life for me and stuff like that. So the fact that my son was like, hey dad, can we watch the movies together? It was great. And I was so awesome. And then when I, we would watch the movies and I told my other friends, cause I still hang out with a ton of Caribbean dads, like Jamaican dudes and you know, like Trinis and Bajans and all that kind of stuff, right? And I told them, but I forgot how like superstitious like Jamaican dudes are. <laughs> and they were not happy about that at all. They were like, yo, Harry Potter, a devil business, Reggie. What kind of doppy evil thing ya chat about Harry Potter? A devil things that bridging. Which is so crazy because Harry Potter is probably the most Jamaican story in the entire world, right? Like if you change wizards to gunmen or to batmen, it's the perfect Jamaican story. Like I like to tell my Jamaican friends in a Jamaican accent what the story's about, and it's the same thing. They love it. Be like, yo, Bradgen, Harry Potter is about two bad men, right? They have a little baby, him is a bad man. And they have a next bad man, and him is Voldemort, but him so bad, you can't even see him name, Bradgen. You can't even see him name. You have to say the man him name, you can't say how bad he is. 
So when Voldemort find out about the little baby, cause the magic bridging. <laughs> He's like, yo, may I kill off the little baby, man? So he break into the house and he brrr, and he kill off the father, brrr, and he done off the mother, brrr, cause she have a magic pum pum. And he's like, yeah, man, I deal with them things, Virgin. And then him see the little baby and him brrr, but the little baby, Harry Potter, bad boy, and him block it and him little lightning bolt and him head, sir. And that was his scholarship, and then sent him Hogwarts to see Dumbledore, and Dumbledore and put him in Hufflepuff Puff Pass, Bridget. A... So. You guys have been an awesome crowd. Thank you, Edward on the Lake. My name has been John Paul. Thank you for supporting comedy. Thank you for supporting Icebreakers. Good night. That is John Paul. You can catch more of his comedy and find out about his upcoming tour dates on his Instagram, John Paul Comedy. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's keep the show moving with another set from the Icebreakers Festival in Niagara-on-the-Lake. It's Dina Jackson. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Very, very pumped. I'm also pretty excited because I just recently signed my divorce paperwork. Thank you so much. And if anyone here is interested in getting a divorce... You can do it online now, okay? Legit, it's a real thing. It's called Simple Divorce. It costs a thousand bucks, not bad, right? You can split that with your ex if they're not a demon, okay? <laughs> but you need to go in person to sign the paperwork. So I did that and when I got there, I learned that my ex decided to bring his new girlfriend, thank you, to the signing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize we were bringing dates to this thing. <laughs> didn't realize this was the prom. Didn't get the prom memo, but I decided to be the bigger person in that scenario, so I offered them a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> Odd choice, I know, but it's because somebody got the car in the divorce. It was me, my friends. <laughs> I got the vehicle, okay? I got the Yaris. <laughs> But there was a motive in the offer, okay? Like, I'm not a saint or nothing. And the motive was that I had my boyfriend's vacuum cleaner in the backseat of my car, okay? So, yeah, I'm also seeing someone who owns a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Guess I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. <laughs> so you can get a ride, but of the three of you, the vacuum's going to go in the front, <laughs> I told my boyfriend I was going to start talking about this in my comedy, and he was like, make sure you let that audience know that it's a Dyson. <laughs> right? You don't come back from that. That's like a Rolls Royce, for sure. <laughs> but I do have a boyfriend now. I am in a relationship, and I went through the whole dating game, and I've actually dated men my whole life, but there is this lesbian couple that I know, and every time I get a little bit tips... 
have a wine cooler, maybe a Mike's Hard Lemonade. I don't know if it's an evening. I mentioned to this couple that if I wasn't interested in men and I started becoming interested in women, then I would start with them. Okay, just put that out there to this couple. But here's the thing, they didn't ask, okay? At no point did they ask me that. They didn't say, hey, Dina, are you available to join us? That never came up in any of our convos. But as soon as a little bit of the Stella Artois hits the lips, I go up to them like, hey, guys, by the way, they're like, we know, Dina. No, thank you, we're good. <laughs> There's nothing quite like being rejected from a what-if scenario, right? It's like a whole new level of rejection, for sure. But I did go through that whole dating game, and I think, you know, we have to establish early on if we are the chaser or the chasee, right? And I am a proud chaser. I feel like no one is surprised by that. <laughs> And so I went through that, and going through it, I had to, you know, if you're meeting guys, do a little bit of texting, and I would want these guys to know that I am very chill, very cool, very casual, <laughs> like a winter's breeze. Chill, cool, casual. <laughs> Is there a draft in here? No, it's me. Because I'm chill, cool, and casual. So I'd be texting with a guy. An hour would roll by. I don't hear back. No problem. Why? Because I'm down with the triple C. Chill, cool, casual. That's me. Two hours roll by. Okay, starting to get a little bit antsy. Looking at the text from the last day and a half. Trying to figure out where things went wrong. <laughs> I'd say we've graduated to a heavy wind at this point. A gust, if you will. Three hours and 15 minutes go by, I've sent a good 30 to 35 follow-up text messages. <laughs> I've also added his mother on WhatsApp. <laughs> Currently sitting outside the ex-girlfriend's work. Hello, okay. Was just in the neighborhood, <laughs> okay. I also like to leave the odd voicemail because I like to keep it old fashioned. So I'll be like, on the, on the phone, I'll just say like, hey Mike, it's Dina from 20 minutes ago, sup? Listen, I know you haven't had a chance to text me back, but get at me when you have a few, because I'm on the road today, but I got the Bluetooth in, just keeping it chill, cool, and casual. I'm happy though, because a few things are back now that we're out and about, and one of my favorite pastimes is back, and that is watching couples fight in public. <laughs> Thank you, and I know that says something about me, but it also says something about you, because I'm not alone here. And I learned about the art of watching couples fight from my father growing up. He was a bit of a connoisseur. And he would take my sister and I out somewhere fancy, like Red Lobster, I'm bragging. And there would be a couple fighting in the booth beside us, and my dad would just want to bring more attention to the fight. So he would look around and just go, noisy, like that. And it got me thinking, there's something wrong with us as human beings that we enjoy watching couples fight. 
Like, if you are in a relationship, you can ask yourself this. Have you ever been out with your partner, you see another couple fight, and then you immediately feel better about your relationship? <laughs> right, but we've done nothing to earn this, if we're being honest. Like, we're actually worse off people. But suddenly we start talking to our partner all fancy, like we just won an award for best couple. Like, we're the Obamas right now, that's who we are. Like, what are we gonna do tonight, Cynthia? I don't know, Ken. Maybe we'll go to the symphony, right? Meanwhile, you're in the Dairy Queen parking lot. That's where you are. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you get into a public argument and all you hear is noisy. All right. <laughs> I would like to get to a point in life where I just don't care. And I feel like we edge there with life experience. I feel like it comes with age. And I would like to get to my mom's point in life where she just shouts facts at people. <laughs> Unfounded facts, facts that she made up and that she repeats over and over again until they become her reality. So for example, we were driving in the car together and we saw a friend of mine walking who my mom and I both know is anti-vax. So my mom took it upon herself to just roll down the window and yell, get the vaccine at her, okay? <laughs> I don't even know if my friend knew it was us. Just a couple of truth tellers in a moving vehicle <laughs> on a Sunday aft. <laughs> I'd like to get to my grandma's level. She used to cross out the Queen of England's name and put her own. I want that kind of energy. <laughs> a lot of confidence. She also used to take quotes from famous philosophers and pretend that she wrote them. <laughs> that is confidence. That's a confidence that I feel like we could get to. <laughs> or I'd like to get to my uncle's level. He has decided that he's never going to New Zealand because he's been to Vancouver and he feels they are the same place. <laughs> People from v BC do not appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but you know, be, be the change you wish to see in the world or whatever, you know? My grandma wrote that, that was her quote. <laughs> Uh, I was recently back in my hometown of Scarborough, Ontario. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. One woo, cool. And I was helping my parents clean out our garage. That's how we say garage in my family. Garage, one syllable. And I found this list that I made of my dream guy when I was 16 years old. So I thought I would share it with you if you guys are on board. Are we on board for this? Amazing. So this list is the epitome of why the majority of men I've dated, not all, but the majority, have been bums. <laughs> Legit bums. You're like, what's a bum, Dina? They're on this list, okay? That's what I'm trying to tell you. So here we go. Keep in mind, 16 years of age. Number one, plays pool. <laughs> plays pool. That's number one on the list. I don't even play pool, okay? <laughs> Could have been anyone with a pool cue. I was not particular at 16. Number two, has done some light jail time, okay? <laughs> like no dead bodies or nothing, but maybe some money laundering. It puts a glisten in the eye, I'm attracted. Number three, wears a pinky ring. A pinky ring. You understand this could have been like a sicko on the street, like a flasher. And I would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is that I see opening up that trench coat? Is that a pinky ring I see? 
Let me know if there's room for two in that coat. I am interested. <laughs> and number four, this one's my favorite. Blue lights in and under car. <laughs> Clearly I was interested in someone on the run, okay? Fast and Furious franchise, for sure. And obviously the Dyson was in the front seat. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. That is Dina Jackson. You can find her album, Blue Lights, wherever you find your fine comedy albums online. And that is our show. My thanks today to the Icebreakers Comedy Festival, sound engineers Doug Doctor, Kyle Kudasevich, and Jared Hillel. And a special thanks to my producer, Lee Pitts. My name is Ali Hassan. Thank you for listening to Laugh Out Loud on CBC Radio 1 and the free CBC Listen app. I'll see you back here real soon. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.